Hi everyone and welcome to a new episode of the Property Finance Podcast. So today I want to talk about uh, deferred payments. So it's a strategy that not many people know about um, or if people do know about it they're not using it enough. So I want to talk through, uh, the the way I'm going to work this is I'm going to talk through uh, a case study. So this is one that we've completed recently. Uh, I'm then going to talk about one that we're looking at uh, and then I'm going to talk through basically how you can structure uh, this for yourself moving forward. So I've got my notes with me. Uh, So in terms of the case study that we've just done so this was for uh, both the brokerage but but for myself personally uh, with some business partners uh, so what we had was uh, a purchase price agreed at 152,000 pounds the property in its current state was valued at 190 we agreed 120,000 pounds up front with the vendor uh, and we then agreed to defer the remaining 32,000 pounds until the property uh, is then sold later down the line uh, so I think we put about a 12 month uh, long stop date on that uh, so we defer £32,000 for a year we are then going to spend so th- this is only just completed at the point of recording uh, I think two three weeks ago um, so a year from that point so we're going to spend about £5,000 on a cosmetic refurb uh, and then we're anticipating uh, and this has been confirmed by Rick's valuation that it'll be worth about two ten uh, when it's finished so what we did is we've bridged it uh, initially for the purchase so we bridged against the market value uh, we did 70% of the market value. So you remember the, the market value came in at 190 uh, in its current state. So we had a gross bridging loan of 133,000 uh, pounds. So what's that, about 13, well it's 13,000 pounds more um, than we agreed up front. With the interest retained and with the fees taken off up front, that then left us with 119,652 pounds uh, towards that initial tranche of 120. Uh, so we had to put in, what's that, 300 48 pounds into the purchase uh, and obviously stamp duty legal fees etc um, so we raised about 99.9 percent uh, of the purchase price uh, managed to do that at an interest rate of 0.89 percent as well so not too expensive um, and then the idea will be is that we'll sell that for 210 uh, and obviously with the profit that we make uh, on the sale we'll then pay off the deferred payment uh, and essentially be making money for well very little um, um, so I think the legals and valuations on that one only came to a couple of grand. Uh, so a very, very nice deal all in on that one. Um, so we funded, like I said, 99.9% of the purchase price uh, via a bridge. Uh, and then the remainder of the deferred payment will come uh, at the point of sale. Now, the way that that one was structured is actually uh, essentially under vendor finance, we'll call it. Um, so that's actually just on a loan agreement. There's no restriction on the title. There's no security over shares and there's no charge over the property uh, so our only sort of liability to that to a certain degree is, is a bit of paper that says that we owe the vendor £32,000 in a year's time um, and that was quite a nice one because that came through uh, one of these property buying services they'd he, he'd gone to them in distress uh, and had said look I need to sell my property really really quickly uh, it had then been passed over to us it was already below market value uh, at 152 versus 190 um, and then due to the situation it transpired that he only needed 120 immediately 
and could wait for the other 32. Um, so all in sort of the perfect deal for us really. Um, so that case study you can see on our Facebook page uh, and within the Facebook group uh, in a bit more detail. Um, and if anyone's got any questions around that specific case study, then let me know. Um, another deal that we are looking at at the minute, uh, I can't go into too much detail only because we obviously haven't signed uh, full details, um, but the proposal that's looking like it's gonna be accepted uh, is that we've offered eight and a half million for a portfolio. Um, it's a portfolio that's cash flowing about 750,000 pounds per annum. Um, and we've offered eight and a half million, which is what the vendor wanted for it. Um, but we've agreed, or are in the process of agreeing, uh, a deferred payment of three and a half million. So what will happen is we will transfer five million pounds uh, and take ownership of the property at that point, uh, and then the remaining three and a half million will be deferred over five years. Um, so what will happen is that the security on that one is a little bit different. So what we've actually agreed is to give the vendor uh, a 10% shareholding in our company. Uh, so that will give them uh, security to a certain degree over sort of part of their cash. Uh, but the reason that we can only offer 10% is because, uh, or actually we could offer up to 20%, but we've obviously gone in at 10%, uh, but we can offer up to 20% because up to 20%, uh, you don't need to be on any finance applications or give any personal guarantees for finance or, or sort of have necessarily any liability for any finance that's raised. Um, if it was above 20%, then the vendor would have to give personal guarantees, sign finance applications. At that point, you might as well just refinance finance uh, the portfolio himself. So there's, there's absolutely no benefit to him whatsoever. Um, so what will happen is we have agreed a bridging loan on that at 65% loan to value, which will net us, so that's net after interest fees over over a year, uh, that will net us £5,047,000. Uh, so £47,000 more than what we need uh, to complete that initial tranche of purchase. Uh, however, that £47,000 will go towards paying stamp duty, legal fees, valuation fees, uh, etc. So we'll, we'll just cut down our initial day one uh, expenditure. What will happen is at the point that we refinance the property uh, onto a buy-to-let mortgage, we'll then go up to 75% loan to value. Uh, at that point, we would then look to raise uh, some additional money to pay uh, off some of that deferred payment. So we're looking at raising approximately 800,000 pounds on that one. Uh, so we would then take the deferred payment from 3.5 down to 2.7. Uh, so we would then have a deferred payment of 2.7 remaining for four years. Uh, and then what we'll do is we'll use cash flow from the property, sale of other assets, uh, money that's been raised on other sales, etc., uh, investor funds, whatever, uh, over those four years to clear that 2.7 million. Um, so fingers crossed at the end of end of four years, we'll be able to sort of take over complete and utter ownership. Uh, and what we've, we've agreed within our proposal is that at the point that we pay off that deferred payment, uh, the shares are relinquished by the vendor and come back to us. So um, it, it's quite a, quite a nice deal actually for us. And, and for the vendor as well, because they'll also be making 10% interest per annum on their deferred payment as well. Um, so they'll be making 10% on the 3.5 for the first year and then 10% 10, 10 on the 2.7 uh, for the further four years after that. So it's, it's quite nice in that sense. And that, that's all paid for out of the cash flow, because like I said, it's, it's quite a high cash flowing portfolio, uh, mainly made up of, of HMOs and flats. Um, 
So that's that's the one we're looking at at the minute. Now, in terms of yourselves, how obviously th those of you that are uh, sort of listening to this, um, how can you use that yourselves moving forward? Well, the way I see it is, is twofold. Um, so I think there are two potential strategies to use deferred payments. Uh, so the first one is purchasing portfolios. Um, so very much like the one that I've just spoken about, uh, essentially finding portfolios, high cash flowing portfolios, uh, vendors that are in distress but maybe don't need all of the money immediately, uh, and, and essentially offering to give them exactly what they want. Uh, so in terms of a purchase price, giving them exactly what they put it on the market for, uh, but deferring enough of the uh, purchase price to enable you to 100% fund it via bridging, buy-to-let mortgages, etc. Um, so that, that's the first strategy that I can see. Uh, the second strategy I see is flips. Um, so I was talking to, to someone about this this morning uh, and also obviously just gone through that case study as well. Uh, but the way I see it working with flips is exactly as we, we said in that case study, uh, purchasing it for what you can afford to uh, cover under the bridging loan. Uh, so whatever that bridging loan is going to cover, giving that to the vendor day one, um, covering the refurb costs yourself, uh, and then at the point of sale, clearing any deferred payment, and then obviously taking uh, the profit above that for yourself. So those are the sort of two main strategies that I can see on this moving forward. Uh, in terms of how you could use it, or in terms of, sorry, rather security, um, the security that you can give is, there's lots of different levels. So depending on relationship with the vendor, building trust, et cetera, depending on how you're structuring it uh, for the first year, et cetera, if you're doing flips, for example, you could give a second charge to the vendor so they could sit behind the bridging lender. Uh, the bridging lenders are normally happy with that as long as there's a deed of subordination or a deed of priority in place. Uh, so essentially what that means is that the uh, second charge holder signs a bit of paper to say, yeah, we understand that we can't force uh, the first charge holder to sell or we can't force the first charge holder to do X, Y, and Z. So it just basically shifts all of the power over to the lender who holds the first charge. Um, so that's the first thing you do, you give a second charge. Uh, the second thing you could do is give security within the limited company. So you could give 10% of shares away, 20% of shares away, uh, like I said earlier, try not to give more than 20% away because otherwise you have to then have the vendors uh, or the, the person with the deferred payment, you have to have them on the finance applications, they have to sign PGs, they have to sign the legal charge, they have to faff about with all that stuff. Uh, and it, it's not ideal if you're trying to get that through. Uh, and the third thing you can do is you can allow the vendor to put a restriction on title. So this is more for the vendors to know that they've got security over uh, when the property sells. So essentially a restriction on title means that you can't sell the property without written consent from the vendor. Now that can be quite tricky for you to get comfortable with as security, uh, but virtually every solicitor is going to suggest to their client, being the vendor, uh, that they put a restriction on the title uh, just to protect that deferred payment. Uh, and then the last one is, is just to put a loan agreement in place. So just a standard loan agreement to say, yeah, the deferred payment is X number of pounds uh, and we will sort of have a loan agreement in place to say that we owe you this amount and we're paying this much interest on it. Um, so that, that's sort of the, I, I don't want to ramble on too much about deferred payments because it's quite an intricate uh, property strategy, but I, I suppose more than anything, uh, I wanted to just whet your appetite with it a little bit uh, and just sort of gauge uh, a bit of sort of whether people are interested in hearing more about it, whether people are interested in going into more detail about it, uh, whether people want to see a bit more uh, sort of around 
around um, sort of the fundamental core bit of, of how it works. Um, and if, the, if there's a lot of interest in it, then I'll start working with maybe some accountants, some solicitors, uh, and start doing some interviews with them, uh, basically to start going into uh, the more intricate side of how this could be structured. Um, so that, that's it from me really on deferred payments. Um, if anyone's got any questions that they wanna raise, obviously let me know. Um, if anyone has any suggestions about things they'd like to hear more about, let me know. Um, and likewise, if anyone wants to hear from solicitors, accountants um, around how this can be structured, uh, then let me know and I'll get some interviews booked in. Um, but otherwise, yeah, that, that's everything on deferred payments. Um, and yeah, let me know if you've got any questions. Cheers.